GG's only. <laughs> Snap, Bam, look at that. And hey, why so quiet? <laughs> I'm eating. Oh, he actually does say that word. Never regretted my girl's wig because she's my lady birdie. My permanent end's been compromised. No zero dark thirty. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Hello, uh, guys. I want to start out by uh, denouncing the two gentlemen I'm doing the podcast with. Um, I saw them doing such shit by not supporting Kamal Harris when they were in Michigan, the whitest state in America. Um, I'm not with that. I denounced Chapo Trap House and Loki. Those guys sounded kind of Jewish. And like, that's just not good. We do. We're not doing racism to candidates here and we're definitely not, you know, getting Jewish with it. Uh, my favorite thing about the, uh, you, you guys, you know, getting canceled for making fun of Kamala Harris's, um, atrocious debt relief or wealth creation program. They still haven't decided on what exactly right, that yeah. plan is. It's uh, really simple. Okay. <laughs> dumbass. So what happens is if you're waitlisted at a sub Ivy school, uh, within uh, 36 months of you graduating or taking a semester at sea, if you, <laughs> what you do is if you start a finance company that gets at least 35% of its energy from solar power, solar panels that are on the roof of the building, as long as the building is chartered in Delaware, you can refinance up to 19% of your student loan. I thought you guys were supposed to be the policy people, but it actually sounds like you're kind of fucking stupid. <laughs> You get a uh, student debt relief for the winner of the Road Rules Real World Challenge. You put your student loan in a cup with vinegar overnight. And then the next day, you put it in a cup with maple syrup. And then it will be smaller than before. Uh, no, I was going to say, uh, my, my favorite thing about that um, was... Uh, the the hat guy Tommy Christopher, Tommy Christopher. That guy uh, he was the one who wrote it up for uh, Mediaite and like first of all he said that Michael Mediaite Moore- by the way really nasty thing to call Jewish people <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing we're canceling back uh, well first of all he said that uh, Michael Moore was was like rapping that was so funny but, like he was reading he was reading her policy paper but he was doing it in like he's a hip-hop like, jive style and i'm here to say yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, i'm relieving student debt in a major way because <laughs> like they had to get like you know some uh added racial angle right. to it as well but also i really love that uh he just said i was involved i was on stage too and what's so cool about that is uh you know getting brendan to come in as like my my like relief pitcher or whatever people still just think it's me yeah yeah so like, that's like, great you so could brendan be... could get on stage and say anything yeah he could true. get out there and like you know just be like yo racial holy war y'all let's create that <laughs> no, that's what like, said. will will medicare <laughs> yeah. like, himself. i i am like the other brother in uh i'm the other brother in the prestige <laughs> I can do whatever I want, and no one will know. And he gets executed, not me. <laughs> so watch out. You better keep on Brendan's good side because he can wreck your shit. Um, no, that that was that was very fun to uh, watch from afar. Uh, definitely like the weakest thing anyone has ever tried Ooh, to cancel. Man, yeah, yeah, that yeah, is a, that there. is a Titanic reach. That's like a, you, Mr. Fantastic like, shit. This this is like a Trump rally. <laughs> It was. No, yeah. <laughs> not only are you guys like uh, Trump supporters, it was like the most bro shit. It was the most frat bro shit ever with the king of frat bros, Michael Moore, <laughs> uh, talking about uh, Kamala Harris's policy. That's just like it's the same shit you see at any fraternity in America. And it's honestly disgusting. I would that just shit's like, so not me. I would just like, though, for people who uh, were offended by that or horrified that, you know, people were laughing at Kamala Harris. Uh, just like, please let us know. Let me know the list of American politicians and sitting U.S. senators that it's okay to make fun yeah. of. I will update the Excel spreadsheet accordingly, and I promise you, we will not I, do it again. I, I actually, we just got—I don't know how this is going live, but I just got the response. I got the email. Apparently, uh, only Bernie Sanders. Oh, okay. 
It's the only one. See that fucking old piece of shit yeah, on Joe Rogan? What the fuck is wrong with him? Fuck him. I uh, I am happy for him that he got to go on Joe Rogan. Well, at least someone's got to. Yeah, yeah. Someone's got to. You know, I'm if not you, I'm Felix. Not, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like he had a good time, though. Uh, no, it seems like, uh, no, I think that's like a, a win-win for Bernie, obviously. Oh, yeah. Like, he's like, Joe Rogan's like, you know, uh, like the most popular. I mean, he has a lot of really awful guests, but well, yeah, cause he's like the most popular fucking his podcast. His brain is a sieve. It, it does not offer any resistance to anything. So that means anybody comes on, and that's scary when he has Nazis on, but it also means that him and his audience of guppy brains are being exposed to this stuff probably for the first time in an unfiltered format, not hearing it secondhand from someone else to be like, wow, this actually just makes sense. Well, ma- like that's literally the, 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 that's the dream of like repoliticizing people and their understanding of the issues of the world. Uh, Matt, I think you had the best description of Rogan I've ever heard where you said that like he's open-minded in like the most literal sense and that his mind is like a lint roller. Yeah. It just picks up everything that it's yeah. like, just roll it over something. He'll just pick up all of it. Yeah. I watched like the first like, uh, like 15, 20 minutes of uh, the Rogan interview with him. And like the other interesting thing is like genuinely because of the fact that he's like, you know, curious in the way that right. like a raccoon is <laughs> yes, uh, he like genuinely is a better interviewer and gave like a fairer hearing and like not only that gave him a fair hearing to like bernie's politics and like the, his vision of what he thinks is important and his policies but allowed him the the time to give like a lengthy like, comp- like, like a, a well thought out response which you almost never get to do on television or any other interviews so it's like by his like own nature like joe rogan is a more honest and fair platform for Bernie Sanders and his message than literally anyone else in the media. It's true. He showed way more journalistic fidelity than Jake Tapper. Oh, yeah. yeah that's way oh my God. actually way smarter than Jake I know, Tapper. I know you guys already covered uh, the two Democratic debates uh, quite ably in my absence, but holy shit, Jake Tapper asked some of the worst fucking questions. And there was one moment in the debate with, with, uh, with, the, with the Biden, Booker, Harris one with yeah. Tulsi where he was just like, uh, hold on a second, guys. I just want to ask this question of the only person who's actually served. Tulsi? <laughs> oh, my God. God, he is such a little troop sucker. He is a troop it's sucker. so and, pathetic. And he asked Bernie in the first debate, he was like, uh, Senator Sanders, you said that America cannot be the world's policeman. Donald Trump has said the same thing. How are voters supposed to hear you and Donald Trump saying the same thing and tell the difference? Yeah. He's like, he's like, he's like, uh, you you filled uh, the same amount of water in a tall thin yeah. glass <laughs> next to a wider, more open glass. How are voters supposed to tell which one has more water in it? <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he is grotesque, and I do love that he thinks he. Th- I think he thinks that his troop worship is going to get him some sort of credibility with you know the right broadly because he very much wants to be considered a you know even handed journalist. But if there was ever some three percenter uprising in some day of the ropes type situation, his name is on the list of people who get thrown out of a helicopter. And as they were doing it, he'd be like, no, I respect your service, sir. Well, yeah. uh, we know that Tapper respects the troops so much that he retweeted the picture of Felix yes. in, in the military uniform. And also, I think Charles Whitmore and Lee Harvey Oswald as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. a classic. Like, hey, my genius. uncle's a troop. Can I get an RT for him? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, fucking William Calley or something. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just the, the the other thing, like again, I know you guys have uh, probably talked about these democratic debates, but I watched like the end of the first one, uh, where you know, let's be honest, Bernie goaded on the stick, popped off. Yeah, he, he actually <laughs> did fucking pop off. Uh, no, he he owned that, and like obviously because there's so many candidates, like everyone wanted to see the four front runners on the same stage. Yeah, it's and like annoying. CNN by splitting it up, like it's sort of annoying. But ultimately, they really did. Sanders and Warren a big favor by putting them up against four identical tomato cans. <laughs> but like I could not tell the difference between any of them. Yeah. Tim Ryan, John Delaney, Michael Bennett. Stop showing me these assholes. Who the fuck are they? So you know you know how like um they say about like, you know, Pete to some extent, maybe Castor, like, oh, they're just gunning for like a TV gig or they're gunning to be like a secretary, secretary of education in or whatever, yeah, future administration. Tim Ryan is up there to be the husband in black.com videos. <laughs> <laughs> Just showing that same look on his face. It's like, look at all the shocked and disgusted looks I can do. Look how look how just completely harmed and victimized I can appear. You don't have to have sex with that black guy. 
No, uh, he's gonna. He's like they're like that's gonna be the next intercept report. Like after you know twenty after Joe Biden just crushes everyone, emperor for life, Warhammer shit in twenty twenty eight. The intercept article. Tim Ryan has made thirty million dollars from being in the husband and cuckold porn <laughs> to twenty twenty, and it's like wow, we need to get money out of politics. So I know you talked about that that inane New York Times rundown uh, post debates were like. After the first one, they all pretty much had to get. They all said, you know, Bernie won that debate or Warren, right? But they all did it in some sort of like qualified way, where they're like, you know, remains to be seen whether they punched work out in, on in these general. Oh yeah, candidates. yeah, yeah. That was also it. That that uh, he didn't need to yell or punch down at people like John Delaney. It's like it's a fucking debate. What yeah. if you're on stage? There's no punching down. You're all running for president, like. You should all give each other a backpack. No, I mean, I, I love the idea that like these people just they invent these rules like on the fly, like fucking Calvin Ball or something. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing that I, I watched the whole like Catherine covered both of them for Splinter. And we wa I watched all of the second the Harris Biden Booker debate. And like I, I was just screaming at the TV the whole time. And then I woke up the next morning to read like the media rundowns of like their analysis of, you know, who won the debate. Now, folks. I don't use this term lightly, but when I say I've never felt more gaslit in my life, <laughs> like this is really what that means. Because yeah. I watched that debate and I was like, Joe Biden is as senile as Donald Trump. Oh, absolutely. He was a, a doddering, stuttering mess the entire debate. He couldn't get a fucking word out. Yeah. He kept like cutting himself off. And saying things like anyway, um, and then I and then I read the rundown, and every single pundit used the words strong and energetic to yeah, describe yeah. Biden's debate potency. appearance. And I'm like, this is gaslighting. They're, yeah. they're, we all watch the same fucking thing. And I know everyone uh, glommed onto the thing where he was like, I, I listen, I want you to visit Joe Joe backslash dot 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 Biden dot co biz thirty. 20, no, it 30. would have made more sense if he'd done that. He just listed numbers. <laughs> he said, go to Joe 3088. And that was he, like... He was listening to Suicide Hotline. He was raising awareness, <laughs> and you guys are making fun of it. Joe Biden looked... He looked young. He looked energetic. He looked with it when he uh, when he turned to uh, Pete Buttigieg and said, oh, honey, bringing all that and... Uh, Got a pickle and a spear, huh? <laughs> You're a, you got all that. And the chips come with you too, honey. All right, have a great day. He looked ready to lead. He showed like the, he's the opposite of Donald Trump, you know, as far as just executive experience and like grace. When he turned to every single woman at the audience at once and said, "Hey, honey, uh, so I didn't know they still uh still had parades for gals like you, huh?" <laughs> and no one knew what the fuck he was talking about, and it was awesome. It was everything. God, I just part of me really does want to see him get the nomination just to see those debates between these two sundowning grandpas bouncing off of each other like they escape from a rest home. And we're all supposed to watch it be like, yeah, this, this society is going to exist in 20 years for sure. Joe Biden is going to destroy Donald Trump when like his cataracts confuse him for like. Uh, Becky Quick or whoever the fuck is on CNN at the first debates and he just kisses Donald Trump on the forehead and rubs the small of his back and goes alright all right, sweetheart uh, you got a limit on 10 broken hearts tonight alright and Donald Trump walks away confused and he's like you know go just fucking goes in on Condé Nast media properties and then Joe Biden takes off his shirt and says you're, you fancy yourself a tough, tough guy? Let's do some push-ups, okay? <laughs> and then they just both fall down on the floor because they both pulled their backs. And that's like, this is the most pivotal election of our lives when that happens. And then they both, Donald Trump talks about how he stopped a mass shooter in Central Park in 1972 by getting out of his limo and throwing his briefcase at him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's enough. That's, you know, hey, that's not good stuff. And Joe Biden uh, says that there was a similar situation where uh, a guy tried to mass shoot the only building in Delaware, and Joe Biden threw a softball at him. <laughs> it was, it actually did a baseball-style change-up. So the shooter thought it was coming at him slowly, and then it just knocked him out. And then he goes, and there was a hot dog stand there, too. And you know what? Yeah, uh, you kids today, you put avocados and all that stuff in the hot dog. But, oh, boy, back then, you just needed your mustard and your ketchup.
<laughs> and, a, and a beautiful girl with you in my so we won't talk about that all right sweetheart 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 in the sweetheart in the front row wow you got uh the bow did you come with the bow still on sweetie all right great and that is that's the that's the i'm donating i'm maxing out to both of those candidates because i think Trump and Biden spent uh, 20 minutes during the first debate talking about whether it's okay to put ketchup on a hot dog. (laughs) (laughs) But no, we were talking about this last night. Like, if it's Biden and Trump in the general, those debates will have to be held before one o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) Like, before, like, right before their nap. And like before their like blood the sugar of, crashes, in the middle of the debate, a nurse is going to come out and give them their medication. <laughs> will everyone before these debates commence? Will everyone rise for the Empire Carpets jingle? <laughs> <laughs> Played a, a max volume me. in the background of a phone call for some reason, and the phone call is about how to access your own email. They cut to Biden, and he's eating out of a Jello cup. <laughs> they, they they have a twenty minute discussion about how to program a VCR. <laughs> I mean, he that's not even an exaggeration considering how much Trump loves to talk about TiVo. <laughs> it's great. It's TiVo. You go beep, 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 and then you watch it faster. It's TiVo, folks. We love it. And then Biden's like, like ah, that TiVo, yeah, you got that's pretty great. You get to rewind it. It's a, it's a miracle. So you gals like in to, the audience, I'd like to maybe watch you on slow mo. Just kidding. <laughs> I'd like to imagine uh, Trump TiVo's all his programs, but does it so that he can like rewatch the commercials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He doesn't fast forward through them. He like he rewinds them, and he's like, I can't believe the the sprint guy switched. Very unfair, <laughs> treacherous. You know what? It's the beautiful general, the auto insurance general. <laughs> you know what? He's like, look at how strong he is. He's so handsome. Look, Central casting general, look at him. Shaquille so, O'Neal, that's a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's big. Some he's of these, guy. He's big. Some of these generals even you know, volunteer the time outside of the army to help people get auto insurance. <laughs> I uh the you know what Trump tweet I love because it shows that he was senile like fucking seven years ago is the one where he's like who's paying for this tedious Smoky Bear commercial <laughs> <laughs> enough of this <laughs> like, I think it's such I a, think it's the only time in his life he has used the word tedious <laughs> it was to describe a Smoky the Bear who did he hear that from. <laughs> <laughs> that's like like who did he talk to that said tedious yeah. and he actually used it correctly <laughs> yeah no somebody said it to him 20 minutes before that and it just stuck <laughs> in his head and he just by accident used it correctly yeah. but like that was he great. actually thought it meant great he's like this is a tedious he's looking the bear at it's <laughs> yeah. amazing but like the, that one's so good because it's like such Trump brand like he doesn't think it's like the forest preserve like the EPA or whatever paying for it to be like hey don't you know start forest fires he's like Whose agenda is being served by this <laughs> awful bear? <laughs> and also, it's a tedious commercial, implying that there are non-tedious commercials. <laughs> and it's like, no, the rest of these commercials fantastic. Oh, my God, thrill rides. Uh, no, he I, absolutely has commercials he loves. Oh, yeah, no, no. He, he sings along with the 1877 Cars for Kids ad every time he sees it. He yeah. claps his little hands together like a seal. Do you think that, like, the lawyers... He, he thinks can... the Cars for Kids commercial is, is a company that sells automobiles to children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy made a tremendous deal. Do you think this car... He like he accidentally got the lawyers he did for the Mueller investigation because he just like subconsciously picked guys who looked like Salino and Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best lawyers. I'd like to imagine uh, uh, Trump um, addressing you know the next spate of mass shootings and saying that we need to we need to combat this by bringing back McGruff the crime dog. <laughs> he probably has a some bite out of crime. McGruff. No, you're right. McGruff was probably very, very rude to him yeah. at one point. <laughs> if you don't like Smokey, you probably fucking hate McGruff. <laughs> He's against all anthropomorphic animals. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're 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 a dog wearing a trench coat. You think you're better than me? <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese's last album was a flop. <laughs> okay, you're right. Uh, no do. one wants to listen, Charles. Go home, sweetie. Bye bye. You very nasty. <laughs> You're right. I think he does. He does hate uh, Matt, like you. He hates tunes of any kind. He hates anthropomorphized animals telling him to do anything. So I think Trump 
to, to counter the violence among America's youth, he should back a PSA ads where his friends in the mafia tell tell children how bad guns are. Yeah. These are some rough guys. Was, they say it's no good unless they owe you money. That's the funniest shit ever. Like before he started The Apprentice, I've talked about it a billion fucking times, but when they're like, I didn't know about having a TV show because I often do deals with the mafia. <laughs> like he literally said that. Like, like in a newspaper, like the mafia comes into my office all the time and they don't like camera. Like it's, it's so cool because like you go back to like, yeah, Obama and like, yeah, he shouldn't have like gotten that house from Tony Resco, but that's everyone in Chicago does that. I bought a house from Tony Resco. <laughs> my mom did and pretty like everyone, everyone does it. It's fine. Jeremy Piven, Jeremy Piven. Well, okay. Let's leave him out of this, but uh, you know, but then you have like the next guy who's just like in an in interview with like, you know, one of those places that would interview Trump in like 2005, like GQ or something. He's like, I'm friends with the mob. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, it's that doesn't matter. Or it's like part of some 12 D chess. Yeah, though. But uh, fucking. Oh, dude, just just Biden. OK, like look, think of it this way. If Bernie Sanders had flubbed his own website as badly as Joe Biden did <laughs> Come to or, Bernie or just dot. Pornhub backslash <laughs> Angel Fire. Get your kid to find Netscape on your computer. Or no, if if Sanders had appeared even one tenth as doddering as Biden did yeah, in that debate, yeah. it would end his campaign. Obviously. And from from now until he dropped out, every single time him or a surrogate was on TV the first and only question they would get is like, isn't it time for him to drop out? Is is he physically and mentally yes. well enough to yeah, run right, for president right. for another year Absolutely. and then theoretically become president right. after that? Yeah. Whereas like I saw Biden in that fucking debate and I'm sorry, any objective observer would have to, even if you're a Biden supporter, you have got to start asking yourself the question, does this guy, is he mentally and physically fit enough to keep doing this? And I don't see how you could answer yes. Yeah. He's like, he has got to fucking drop out. Well, I mean, his brain might cancel him uh, the way it did in 1988. People forget that. He literally had a fucking brain hemorrhage the first time he ran for president when he was 30 years younger. So who knows? I mean, I guess like it's going to be interesting to see like how whether like elite support for Biden starts to get a little shaky and whether they start maybe start immigrating to Kamala. Yeah. As sort of like the, you know younger more yeah. uh, you know you know Diverse. a candidate with more diversity and vitality yeah. than uh, joe biden because well, it's, it's very hard for them because they built their whole narrative around enough enough old white men and now they have to prop this guy's corpse up and like the thing is like generally speaking like i don't think there should be anyone in politics over the age of i don't know 60 oh absolutely but if you, you think, shouldn't even be able to vote if you're <laughs> over 60 but however if you think that's going to be some kind of gotcha against sanders it's like no i'm, I'm not going to go again. he's the oldest fucking one in the race but compare his debate performance to biden yeah. sanders was articulate spoke with clarity some energy he had he got some burns on the fly he, yeah. like he fucking he, like he's squad white tim ryan yeah, no, and john delaney he, he fucking shit on t like tim ryan looked like he was gonna cry i mean no literally i honestly think that may have been the first time like tim ryan ever met like an old jew i mean well he's from youngstown so maybe he met like some mobbed up guy who was like meyer lansky's intern but uh he, he it like i don't think anyone's ever like really yelled at him like that or at least not for like 40 years or something he well, looks was like, so fucking upset uh, he tried to like he tried to uh get some clout like the day after be like stop yelling or whatever that <laughs> yeah. was like his his slogan and then like i i saw a lot of people were just like you know why is bernie sanders yelling he's scaring my child and i'm sorry that's anti-semitism yeah it that's is telling it an is. old jewish man like yeah. to talk different yeah. yeah yeah he's not gonna code switch just for you yeah though. exactly <laughs> yeah i i mean so we were talking a little bit like, is the donor class going to stay with Biden? And like, they're, they're already like pretty spread out. Like they're sort of, does uh, Buttigieg have like the, the highest number of billionaire yeah, donors? Oh, yeah. Individual? Oh, yeah. 23 billionaires. Holy shit. 23 billionaires. Agree. <laughs> Buttigieg is, should be president. Well, like, so they're definitely like, they're definitely accounting for the possibility that like, yeah, Joe Biden, like, you know, I'm going to sort of try to paint the picture for you without saying it. He's going to act like Roger Sterling did at his own wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Does that whole song and dance? He just comes out in the debate like that. And he's like, what? 
<laughs> but uh, I think like a guy like I I think like Tim Ryan and John Delaney like they're absolute pieces of shit, but they're not that stupid. I don't believe that either of those men believe they can be president. Oh, not at all. Oh, no. Yeah, not at all. And so like Tim Ryan, Tim Ryan's like he's challenged Pelosi for from the right for speakership before. He's sort of he was sort of a uh one of the first people on this like idea like oh uh democrats don't understand rural america and by that i mean rural america wants simpson bowls every day uh sort of the early jd vance bullshit and like ryan ryan when he does that thing like selling the stop yelling bumper stickers he's not like he doesn't think like millions of people are gonna go like yeah no i i now support tim ryan i support the guy who looked like he was gonna cry for three hours yesterday i think that guy should be president no one thinks that but he is signaling to like you know whatever massive amorphous pools of money like hey after this is all done like i'm your guy i'm willing to say and do anything right yeah Yeah. i I never really want to work that hard again (laughs) meanwhile the sicker puppy is delaney because delaney is independently already a millionaire he made his bag he secured the bag and he's spending his own money to do this he's just throwing money out the window in order to destroy single-payer health care i guess yeah he is sick little bald pervert no delaney delaney's a killer like I think there's a very human impulse to like look at that. Like, he looked like fucking Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> like, he looked so lost and so hurt. And there's a very human impulse, especially for people who don't. He really is a know. claymation ass. Yeah, yeah. There's a very human impulse for people who like don't know that guy to look at a guy making a face like that and be like, oh, oh well, I don't like any of this guy's policies, but like, you know, you got to feel for him on some level. But he's a fucking killer. If you know anything about Delaney's career in business before this. He basically, he was deep, like he made a fucking killing in healthcare financing. And he is just going out there to push the, to sort of just complete, to hamstring the concept of Medicare for all. That because, was so fucking pimp when Bernie pointed out that he made money off of healthcare. Oh my God, yeah. It's like you literally have a fucking material interest in keeping the status quo. Yeah. Because that's nothing to do with uh, what's best for anything. You fucking. He's like that guy's a soldier, you know. uh, You know, I I know it seems good, like oh, like you'll be able to afford prescription drugs. But if insulin wasn't seven hundred dollars a pen, you'd get worse insulin. It wouldn't be as good. Yeah, it wouldn't be be premium. Special. That's the important thing. That's I was I was fucking thinking about this earlier today because like yet we see yet another story about like a guy who was uh, engaged to be married and was like not taking his insulin to save money for his wedding. And died yeah, 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 because yeah. of it. And See, like insulin is like seven hundred dollars a pen in America. It, like in the, the like the second country is like Germany. It's like eighty dollars. And yeah. then like in much of the world, it's just free or like five dollars. Yeah. And when I think about shit like that, I like I, I posted about this this afternoon. When I see stories like that, I just really have to question just how passive the American populace really is. Like like, is there anything that they can do to us that we won't just take? You know, it sounds bad. It sounds bad that we are being denied a life, life, literally life-saving drug that people need to live, a drug that was patented by someone who gave it away for free. Uh, the, the, these companies that are doing this have spent not a single cent developing it because it was already just handed to them. Uh, it could be made free by the government at cost, but in a lot of these countries that you're talking about with the free insulin, that I hear that they have these parties where everybody just eats... Uh, hostess cakes <laughs> until they go into a diabetic coma and then they shoot themselves with the insulin to come out of it and you know we can't allow that kind of moral hazard to happen here in this country sorry damn no we are absolute little piglets who will take anything because we don't think this is political because this is, you're talking about like most people who are younger than 40 they have never lived in a country that these kind of issues were talked about as political issues right it's just the way things are and so, yeah, it sucks. You're like, shit sucks. And that's just, it's like the weather. And that's what Bernie, that's the hope of the Bernie is that because we can't hope to radicalize people through workplaces anymore. People don't even have fucking coworkers. They're all working contract shit. Uh, but they can through, you know, mass politics. And they're going to hear for the first time, these are not immutable things. This is something we can change and have power over. Well, yeah, I mean, so we always talk about, like, why it's good to have, like, a massive guaranteed universal 
social welfare program because it's so hard to take one away, right? Yeah. Well, the inverse of that is if you really, if you slowly strip them away to the point where there are entire generations, multiple generations, where you know the concept of greater labor protections or the concept of even the government having this responsibility to you or the, the idea that you shouldn't just die on the fucking street if you can't afford this jacked up insulin, that someone would control the price of insulin, things like this. If there are multiple generations where that idea has never even crossed their mind because it's never been in existence, it's very hard to make them feel like something is innately wrong. And that the hope I, the hope I have with Bernie is no matter what happens, he does imbue this sense in millions. I think he already is that there is something makes people realize there's something innately wrong in a private company taking something they didn't discover like insulin, just jacking it up exponentially and people fucking dying because of it. Um, the other guy I want to talk about from the debates that was <clears throat> along with Biden almost universally, you know, proclaimed the, the winner of the debate was Cory Booker. <laughs> and again, like I, this Killed is, it. this is gaslighting. Cause I was watching Cory Booker and I was like, this is one of the phoniest, cringiest debate performances I think I've ever seen. It was when he starts talking, like I can the feel timeline. my spinal cord, like twisting around itself. Yeah. That's how, like, that's how viscerally off put I am by Cory Booker. Every time he opens his mouth, but everyone said like he owned that debate because he got in like you know one or two jabs at Biden where he's like oh we have a saying in my community Joe you're dipping into the Kool Aid and don't know the flavor dude nobody knows the flavor of fucking Kool Aid it's all just sugar water <laughs> <That's>, yeah <laughs> it has no fucking flavor Cor- Corey it's Bo- the purple or red it's the color not the fucking flavor <laughs> I like I I think like policy wise I'm supposed to like just absolutely despise uh, Booker as a person right because. He is like he sucks. He's like, oh, yeah, he attacked Obama from the right on private equity, taking a shitload of money from pharma. He loves Israel more than anything Huge in the world. Huge APAC booster. But there's something very pathetic about him. And it's weird to say that about like an incredibly powerful senator who's probably going to be in the Senate or in some some similarly powerful position for you know the rest of my life. But there is something incredibly fucking pathetic about Cory Booker. He is it's sad. his need to be loved, yeah. which is like it's good to be, you know, to an extent like self-effacing. But like the way that Booker is like you see, he'll like quote tweet pictures of him looking like absolute dog shit <laughs> wearing pants that fit like you just cut a fucking waving tube man in half and stuck him <laughs> on both of his legs, <laughs> making a completely fucking gormlet like the face that he makes in these pictures is like there's a T-Rex in front of him and he's trying to show that he's in no way a threat. He's It's the facial equivalent of just rolling over on your belly and exposing your limp cock. And there is something so fucking pathetic about him that it's like yeah. just... It just makes my fucking skin crawl. He he has that burning, yearning need to be liked by yeah. everybody, which well, also Beto has, but Beto has the smug sort of... Uh, like he's he was owed it. He's owed your uh, like, and so he kind of panders to you, but almost sort of, you know, in a Gen Xy way. Whereas Cory Booker is just naked yearning, like me. I'll do anything. Right. I, and right. Like he started out his campaign by being like, you know, even before Marianne Williamson, he was like, I'm going to be the love candidate, but not the positive good vibes candidate. Yeah. The candidate where like my political message is that like Americans need to just love each other and come together. It's like, what fucking year are you running yeah. for president in, yeah, dude? Yeah. yeah, well, no, he he was going to be the Obama guy. He was going right, to be, yeah. he's going to be transcending. Uh, we're the not divisions. a red America or yeah. a blue America. It's like, yeah, that was stupid when he said it. How much dumber does it seem now? I did. He's at what? Like 1%? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no one's buying that shit. <laughs> no. And then, uh, you know, just just back to back to Kamala again, and uh, you know your your in- intensely problematic appearance with yeah, Michael Moore. Yeah, can yeah. we just get back to that? Can we just do like the struggle session right now at Matt? Felix and I weren't there. We're not responsible. Yeah, for the yeah. we denounced it. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, I denounced it immediately. Um, but it was just like uh, she had a horrible debate. 
She couldn't land on Biden. Couldn't even land a glove on Biden, who everyone else was teeing off on. And like they spent the first 20 minutes of that debate in a totally inscrutable conversation about their their variously competingly and both dog shit health care (laughs) plans that they don't even understand. They They can't fucking explain it at all. You could Biden doesn't know the difference between a premium and a deductible. Kamala, like she just simply can't explain her fucking plan. She does not know what Medicare Advantage is. Uh, No one does. No one knows that stuff. All it really boils down to though is it's private insurance companies can sell medicare endorsed plans we we get we get that universal health care but the private insurance (laughs) they still get to wet their beak which of course obviates the cost savings that you get from having government and uh health care so not only did she like does nothing couldn't couldn't explain her health care plan couldn't really even lay a finger on biden who i mean when cory booker's scoring points off of you come on uh however Tulsi stuck the knife in her uh-huh. on her record as a prosecutor and her and the, her supporters know that in a Democratic primary, she has absolutely no get back or response for that because she has nothing to say. So what she did say is uh, uh, he, she loves Assad. Yeah. Or, or, or what they all said is like that thing about how like after the debate, uh, like who was the most Googled candidate? And it was Tulsi. And everyone was like, the Russian bot network is influencing this. And it's like, no, she was the most Googled because people were like, damn, she's hot. Right. <laughs> I would have loved to see like the Google searchers like who, who's what, what candidates feet were the most. Right. Googled yeah. I want to I want to get the metrics for wiki. Feet. Well, t- I want to t- know who is posting what. Yeah. I thought like after the Assad, they, they were like, oh, she's a bottom tier candidate. It's like, that's interesting. So the bottom tier candidate just completely fucking shit on you. <laughs> yeah. She completely like, I don't, I don't like Tulsi. I don't know a ton of people who fucking like her, but everyone seems to be in agreement that Tulsi just fucking shit on her. <laughs> she destroyed her. Tulsi, like half the time, half the time she doesn't seem like she's that into the idea of running. The other half of the time, it seems like she's just taking seven different tinctures to manage whatever like low grade social anxiety she has. I'm not punching down; I've got it too. But she just like just psychoed into Kamala Harris. She she fucking double keyed it. She oh, but all you there. have to do is just describe what <laughs> yeah. she fucking did as a prosecutor. Yeah. There's that video out there of her laughing about yeah. fucking right. marijuana no, she convictions. She did like the e-Honda fucking yeah. arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She destroyed her like a fucking Honda. And if you're, if like you're, right, and if you're someone from like day one's been like, yeah, Kamala's the only one who's ready. And yeah, no, absolutely. She's fucking more competent than Biden. You know, that's a good laurel to rest on. But yeah. like, what is your, if your whole thing about Tulsi has been that she's fucking weird and she's like, she has no right to be here. You know, which you can make the argument. What is your response after she completely fucking demolishes yeah. Kamala? There is none. And that is why I think uh, the you guys and Michael Moore, uh, like they attempted to make that into a thing for a day and even got, you know, the blaze also covered that, which is hilarious. But it was like, do you think after that debate, maybe her and her supporters were looking for, oh, I don't know anything to change the subject honestly yeah that's and make what, her seem like a sympathetic person when in by all other available evidence she is deeply not right and, and like that is the reason that people like did get like get really mad at the michael moore video and that there was a russian pot shit because like if she just if she shit on tulsi which if she's a front runner she should be able to do if she didn't get fucking dismantled no one would have given a shit Someone would have quote tweeted and, and like had like a shitty joke and been like, oh, is this a fucking Mumford and Sons concert? Re- you know, revealing themselves to be 49 years old. <laughs> but uh, instead, because Kamala got obliterated, you guys did a Klan rally, which again, I denounce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I denounce. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. I got a uh, got a reading series for us uh, this afternoon. But uh, before we get into that, uh, Felix, I was hoping you could give us. A brief rundown on the wide world of esports. Uh, you're sort of the you know the the Marv Albert uh, without the weird um, sexual stuff, but for uh, esports. <laughs> All right. So I mean, like, yeah, this is what you do. This is your world. The Fortnite World Championships just happened. What's happening in the world of free to play battle royale style uh, mind mind killers? <laughs> Sent- Sentinels Booga, an absolute killer. My pick, by the way, for solos at Worlds wins three million dollars in new york city how old is this kid 16 okay <laughs> wasn't there some 13 year old also in, the, in this yeah who actually did very well king argentine argentine player uh big surprise in duos 
Aqua and Nyrox winning, surprising, upsetting the my pick for duos uh, top spot. Uh, Zate and Saf. How'd Blorp do? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, this is I think you'll, you'll like this about uh, game the Fortnite gaming in general. Like most of the best players like have names like Gugu or <laughs> fucking Florp. but the people below them, like the people they shit on to get to that level. They like they think that they they think that they they're the first people to get word like single word names yeah. on games. So if you play like CS or something, you'll play against a guy named like Exalterated because they <laughs> fool themselves into thinking it's a real word, and they're like, "That's so sick! I'm the only guy with the name Exalterated. How did I get that?" Uh, so yeah, you should play Counter Strike with me and Chet. So yeah, Fortnite sucks now. <laughs> Why does it suck? They added a they added a mech. What's a mech? You don't know. You oh, well, watch, like a mech bodysuit yeah, yeah, that you yeah. can get it. What? Well, that no, sounds shoots, awesome. It's completely overpowered. What do you mean? It's like there's no way to defend against it. It shoots ten missiles at you at once. That you Dude, can, that, but like, if you get it, then that's sick. That's bullshit, though. That's so no. Unfair. That's like that's an equalizer. So you're right. That sucks. It means it destroys the skill gap. So there's like no reason to get good at anything. You so so, so you're you're anti-socialist, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. They fucked up the game for a while. I'm uh I'm getting. Uh, Team Fortress Two again. That was one of my favorite games. In my what's game. what's the best what's the best game out there right now? Right, tough question. Uh, honestly, the best game that you can play and still get players in, uh, probably because some people still play it. Battlefield Bad Company Two. Uh, what do you? And what what games are coming out that you're looking forward to? Uh Halo. Halo looks. I'm. I mean, can't there's, go wrong. There's a new Halo coming out. Is a Halo? They're remastering it, coming to PC and. Uh, New call. You're like the original Halo Combat of all. All the Halos. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, there's a fucking what? Death Stranding, of course. But as far as like multiplayer, uh, new Call of Duty. I'm gonna entertain that. Hopefully, they didn't like fuck it up really bad. But beyond that, I don't know. The next Battlefield will probably be fucking dog shit. They're never making a Splinter Cell game again. Just Team Fortress Two, <laughs> like 15 year old game. All right, that we'll be playing that. that but that was... you know, congrats to Booga. Booga is fucking sick. I should have bet money on it. I wouldn't have had to go to work for another year. That was your uh, wide world of esports update. Okay. Uh, this reading series for this week, I've been keeping this in my uh, back pocket uh, for a rainy day. And this one comes courtesy once again of Quillet.com, which is honestly rapidly moving up the ranks for the hottest hungry, source of yeah. Chapo reading series. They out really there. have kind of lapped the Federalist. Oh Federalist yeah, has oh been, yeah. Has been the Federalist. sleeping at the switch for a while. Fucking up your game, Molly. Come on. Uh, by the way, uh, Molly Hemingway was just interviewed by that guy Jamie Weinstein, who hosts the uh, Winston Churchill Tommy Gun Society oh, dinners God. that we've uh, made fun of in the past. Uh, and uh, he, he had Molly on uh, his podcast. And asked her, like, who funds the Federalist? Or I think he asked her, like, why do people keep asking who funds the Federalist? And Molly Hemingway was like, oh, like, they're asking in bad faith. And the only reason we don't answer is because people would be appalled by it. (laughs) 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 Yeah, no, I mean, like, I would answer that question, but it would make us look bad. So I don't. So the fact that people ask it, knowing that if we answered, we'd look bad, means that it's a bad faith question, and I'm not going to answer it. But the answer to the question is Les, Les Wexner, actually. <laughs> Joke, what, parody, not what, meant to be taken seriously. What if it wasn't someone like Nefarious? It was just like really embarrassing. It was just like Dane Cook. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he just likes the articles, I guess. Carlos Mencia. Yeah. <laughs> it would be, it's really funny to be like just publicly really against Carlos Mencia in 2019. It's just like, 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 don't post. If, like, you were mad, you just didn't post about the election because people expect this from me, but you just don't post about the election for the next year. And you're just like, Carlos Mencia fucking steals jokes. He stole a joke from Greg Giraldo. Check out this clip from Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> just do that for a year. Yo, uh, low key though, Mind and Mencia mainstreamed fascism in America. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that man has a lot to answer for. Yeah. All right, so um, uh, the, uh, the Quillet piece, and yeah, the l- last time we did it was it was Toby Young's uh, pan to to yeah, fucking Boris shit. Johnson and his Germanic skull shape and you know Nietzschean uh, uh, Ubermensch coiled potency. He used coiled again in that. Yeah, fucking they thing. love that. They, they love, love it. To coil up a nice hot fat turd um, of this, potency. This one is about um, Amazon warehouses. And they, uh, it's by a guy named Kevin Mims. 
And apparently, <laughs> this is why I'm hot. <laughs> apparently, they they sourced this article to a guy who actually does work at an Amazon fulfillment gulag. And the whole point of the of the article is like, actually, it's great. So this is called tourist journalism versus the working class. A few days before the 4th of July, British comic John Oliver used the pulpit of his U.S. infotainment show to deliver a lengthy monologue about the depredations of Amazon.com. His specific complaint was that Amazon doesn't treat its employees very well. According to Oliver, among the indignities that the company has heaped upon its workforce are two separate instances in which a canister of bear repellent leaked in an Amazon warehouse. Oliver and his journalistic team also found former Amazon employees willing to complain on camera about working conditions in the company's warehouses and fulfillment centers. They can get very hot in the summer and very cold in the winter. Getting to the bathroom sometimes requires a long walk. Pregnant women get no special bathroom accommodations. Oliver's researchers even uncovered an incident in which a worker had died on the job and her co-workers were told to carry on working in the presence of her corpse. I know this sounds bad, but uh, so Amazon disputes much of this, but I have no difficulty believing that incidents like this do occasionally occur. Amazon employs roughly 650,000 people worldwide. That number is higher than the population of 50 of the world's 233 countries. It's entirely possible that at some point a citizen of Luxembourg, population 600,000, has been sprayed by bear repellent. Or that, or that workers <laughs> right. somewhere in Iceland, 360,000, have been required to work around a fallen co-worker. <laughs> Uh, but by the way, if, if that were the case, you think you could like maybe find an example of that happening in Iceland or, or Luxembourg. But by the way, like you know, people are complaining like, yes, a canister of bear repellent exploded and everyone's like eyes were bleeding. <laughs> there were, were there any bears, though? This, yeah. Were there any bear attacks? There, in that there might very well have been a rampaging herd of grizzlies that was they diverted away from the factory. So I'm. I'm already loving this guy's argument. <laughs> yeah, which is it's, like, it's so good. You know, people in history have died. No, fan, regular listeners of the show will be able to correctly identify uh, th- this, you know, uh, argumentative stratagem, which I call the McArdle. Yes. This yes. is the McArdle. This is the full McArdle where what she goes is to be like, she'll list a litany of um, jaw-dropping uh, cruelty and immiseration that is going on, you know, being caused very specifically by certain individuals in like a capitalist economy. And she'll go, I know that sounds bad when you write it down or say it out loud, but what if I told you people die all the time everywhere? Do you know how many people die every day on the planet? People like die literally every day, dozens. Yeah. People are out here dying every day. I'm going to eat regardless. <laughs> That's this article. So there he good. goes, uh, But neither of these things, if they happened uh, in Iceland or Luxembourg, I guess, would be proof that working conditions in Luxembourg or Iceland are appalling. As it happens, I work in an Amazon warehouse in West Sacramento, California. When I showed up at a friend's annual 4th of July barbecue, I found myself besieged by well-meaning, right-thinking, Trump-hating friends, all of whom were eager to tell me just what a monstrous company I work for. This was weird because most of them know that Amazon has been a lifesaver for me financially, and they have heard me say how much I enjoy the work and appreciate the money. But they are now convinced that I work in something like a sweatshop. Bemused by this outburst of hostility towards my employer, I was led inside to our, by our host who sat me down in front of his family's 60-inch plasma TV to watch Oliver's tirade, which he had courteously DVR'd for my benefit. Okay, so two, two notes here. Um, these, these don't sound like his friends. But they are actually monsters for breaking up a barbecue to make him watch a clip from John Oliver. Yeah, that's awful. Like, that is awful. Cut those people out of your life. That's, I mean, I already, like, you cannot send me, like, a link to YouTube unless you're, like, one of my absolute closest friends or, like, one of my top three family members. (laughs) Like, if you come to my fucking place and you, like, put on a YouTube clip for me, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. That's awful. That is dude. terrible. I mean, unless it's just, like, a compilation of, like... Uh, Russian dash cam. Yeah, Russian dash cam or, like, greatest parlamentary fights yeah, in Ukraine or Korea no, or something. If you're at Mike Racine's Christmas <laughs> party and everyone likes it, no one's mad at you. So he goes, um, I have to say, I found Oliver's takedown unpersuasive. It is possible that Oliver was aware his material was a little thin, which is why he padded the segment with scattershot complaints about Walmart and Verizon. The enemy did not seem to be Amazon in particular, but large corporations in general. Warehouse work, Oliver solemnly informed his audience, is strenuous, difficult, and doesn't pay very well. To most Americans, and people in general for that matter, this will not have been news. Warehouses serve as temporary holding centers for consumer goods. 
These goods, where, meaning a place, house, meaning a house. (laughs) These goods have to be offloaded from vast, uh, blah, 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 blah. He's explaining what a warehouse is. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was confused. Uh, The people who do this loading and unloading spent their days lifting toasters, boxes of kitty litter, mini fridges, and thousands of other items. Oh, God, he's going on and on. He's like, Oliver treated this like a cool house style. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, No, no, talk about padding out the fucking word count. It's like watching like a point fighter in boxing. It's just like, oh, this is going all 12 rounds. (laughs) Yeah. Holy shit. So he goes here. uh, Just about every job in my sortation center could probably be done by a robot. In fact, it amazes me that Amazon hasn't simply automated the entire facility. After all, robots don't call in sick, don't steal from their employers, don't sue for workman's compensation, and they never complain about long hours or the heat or the cold. But nor do robots buy consumer goods. If I had to guess, I'd say that Amazon continues to employ lots of human beings because by putting money into the pockets of working class people, the company creates more customers. Robots may not buy basketball shoes or hibachi grills, but people sure do. I love that this guy is like, he is a peasant for the robots, yeah. not even his employers. Yeah. He's like, robots are superior to us, and I'm surprised, frankly, that they haven't harvested my organs. <laughs> oh, I'm surprised they haven't turned me into slurry to grease the wheels of their fucking grasping claws. <laughs> this article is by Cypher from The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he's like, Amazon's doing me a favor by not replacing me with a robot. And it's like, I mean, talk about unpersuasive. Like, buddy, you think Amazon won't do that if, they, if, they, if someone shows them a chart that shows that right. they can save like a cent on every package shipped? Yeah. Well, that's the insane. You hear that a lot, too, with people talking about $15 an hour minimum wage for fast food workers. They say, ah, oh, you see those, uh, those automated uh, ordering things? That's what you get, you fucking idiot. Way to ask for a living wage. And they're saying that you have two choices. You can be hyper-exploited and, and barely get by on a shitty, strenuous uh, uh, job, or you can be unemployed and a robot does it. Those are your two options. And it's like, well, where the fuck do we get a say in this shit, you know? Like, the idea that this is just some sort of law of nature, like I was talking about earlier. Like, th- these are non-political choices. Like, yeah, well, that's it. Bad job or unemployment by robot. How about we use the goddamn robots so people don't have to do shitty work and then we socialize the fucking uh, product of that so that people can like live and you don't ha- and you're not you don't you sever the connection between livelihood and, and your job so that you're not over the barrel and so that you're not always having ter- terms of your life dictated by the fucking capitalist. Also, I like the implication that like like the, the, you hear this so often about like employers or giant corporations or even small business owners and shit. The idea that like they're doing a favor to their employees by employing them yeah. and not like, oh, we actually like need a large number of people to yeah. like deliver the goods and services that we profit off of. That's, I still to this day, tr- one of the greatest Trump lines ever was during the election before he won when he was uh, he was being attacked by the Khan family, you know, and. Oh, right, and so, right, yeah. And somebody asked him, and said, oh, the cons, you know, they've sacrificed a family member for America. Have you ever sacrificed? And he goes, I sacrifice. I sacrifice all the time. I employ many, many people. I, and they, they have food and they have, uh, they have uh, houses now because if I, I paid them. So I've sacrificed. He literally defines sacrifice as extracting surplus value from people <laughs> that he then uses to build yeah, no, solid, uh, buy solid gold toilets sacrifice for like yeah bezos or you know like the capitalist ruling class is just anything short of not like of slavery yeah it's like (laughs) the fact that i give you money and i don't just have a fucking have a uh, robot have a robot with a phaser (laughs) at the back of your head or like some sort of subdural uh chip that like a tiny explosive in your uh, jugular vein and it compels you to labor for just the the minimum amount of soylent required to keep you fucking vertical. I love how cucked this guy is to the robots, though. Yeah. It's really funny. So okay, this is where it gets really good. He goes, apart from employing a lot of staff, Amazon does a number of things progressives ought to like. For instance, it employs a very diverse group of people. On my shift, I work with African-Americans, Asian-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, white people, gay people, deaf people, ex-convicts, and people whose ethnicities and even genders are a mystery to me. A wide diversity of <laughs> <a> mysterious... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm excited to ask all of them. <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, I was hired the same day as a young Vietnamese-American named Lenny and a young African-American named Carl. No, just kidding. (laughs) And a young Mexican-American named Ramon. We also got a rabbit. 
I'm excited to show Lenny the rabbit. <laughs> I was hired the same day as uh, Lenny and Ramon. They are both in their 20s. I am in my 60s. Dude, think about how fucking depressing that is that this guy has written an article about how grateful he is to Amazon to employ him doing backbreaking work for like almost minimum wage in one of their fulfillment centers yeah, and how one. grateful he is to be doing that job in his fucking 60s. It's grim. It's very grim. Man, this sucks. Very it's, dark. We've talked about this. Very about, dark. About this how sucks, the boomer man. deal of you're where you are, and it sucks, but you're going to die soon, and you can't accept that your life didn't work out. And so, actually, no, this is all great. This is good. This is all, there's nothing, why should we change anything? He goes, uh, yeah, I'm in my 60s. But because we started on the same day and went through training together, we bonded and became work friends. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Although, I'm sure that all the mysterious uh, gender potpourri people who you ogle at, like, wow, I'm sure they think you're a real buddy. They don't just, like, tolerate your conversation before they can get away from it. No, no, this is where it gets really good. He goes, "Um, although Ramon is an American citizen, his wife Angela is not. I like he, he and then like he goes on to include their uh, street address <laughs> in the article. No, just kidding. Uh, he goes, despite the fact that she has lived in America since she was three months old, he's angry that President Trump has backed off from the DACA program President Obama put in place to help people like Angela find a path to citizenship. Listening to Ramon discuss his firsthand dealings with immigration authorities has brought the issue alive for me in ways that reading news reports cannot. <laughs> He's like, Whoa. yeah, no, no. When I just read news accounts of yeah people being put in concentration camps on the border, it doesn't really hit home for me in the same way that yeah. being friends with my my well, Latino friend see, Ramon. What's so funny about this is that what he's describing the process of coming together with these diverse people in a single workplace and having a, a shared experience of exploitation and labor. That's literally what creates class consciousness. That's that's the the foundry of class awareness, and he is using that to be like. Yeah, this company's great. We all get to work together. Instead of being, hey, these people are fucking us over. We are all have more in common than we don't, and we can organize together to get a better fucking deal from these vampires. Well, like the, the saddest thing to me of what I read so far is like where he's just like robots don't complain about the hot or cold or steal from their employers or call in sick, and it's like he's just saying like yes, like meat and the flesh is weak. And like and like that if you complain to your employer, you're being ungrateful. And he's like being like a, even though this a is a spoiled so, child this is the or most something. cucked mindset of all. It's very common to see in the media when people talk about labor relations, the instinctive mindset you put yourself in as the commentator is as the boss. You imagine yourself the boss. And most Americans do imagine themselves the boss when they're thinking about sports, for example. They're not oh, the like players. Had, uh, they're yeah. the boss. They're, whenever they think about a strike or anything, they always put themselves in the mindset of the boss. It's the same reason that's very hard to convict cops for murder because especially if it's racial, uh, it's a white cop and a, a, a minority suspect and you're a white uh, juror, you put yourself instinctively in the mind of the cop and not in the victim. And that makes sense when you're talking about people in, uh, uh, you're talking about people in the media specifically and, and the, the public at large, you know, the small business tyrants and the middle managers of America. But this guy puts himself in the mindset of the boss when he is the employee. He is the one. And he's like, oh, these lazy human workers like me. Like that is the most astounding mind, just ideology levels beyond any I could imagine where you're taking the boss's side against yourself. Amazing. So this is really good. He goes, um, Ramon's mother, Rita, a woman in her 40s who speaks little English also works with us at the warehouse. I speak no Spanish, but Rita and I are friends. We often work side by side. Hey, guys, you know that thing where you become friends with someone despite not sh being able to speak each other's language? <laughs> it's the plot to, I think, half the movies that played at Sundance in the 90s. <laughs> People, I'm making sweet intergenerational uh cross-language friendships. Uh, fuck, it just goes on and on now. It goes, every morning before our shift begins, my fellow Amazonians and I gather <laughs> at the front of the warehouse where all of our photos and names have been printed onto rectangles that resemble refrigerator <laughs> magnets. Jesus Christ. These magnetic photos are stuck to a large white board with a diagram that represents every station in the warehouse. One by one, each person's magnet is assigned a place on the map. Every day brings a new arrangement. One day I may be pulling packages off the conveyor belt between a young Hispanic woman and an older black male. The next day I may be helping to stow packages in an aisle alongside two Vietnamese women. This is a good thing. 
working and cooperating every day as part of a diverse workforce can help clear up misperceptions. On my second or third day on the job, I was paired with a young African-American woman who had been with Amazon a few weeks longer than I had. While talking to Celine, I learned that she Ubered to, to and from work every day because she didn't own a car. The cost of the short ride was about seven fifty each way. In other words, she lost an hour's pay every day just covering her commuting costs. When I discovered that she lived in a low-income housing project less than a mile from my house, I offered to drive her to and from work every day. She accepted. So yeah, like we're bond, like across all races and classes, we can bond by our shared experience of hyper-exploitation and just white-knuckling it paycheck to paycheck. And we love it, folks. We love it. We could never change it. Why would we want to? It's not like we would be even closer if we democratically controlled the workplace together instead of taking orders from some fucking algorithm. He goes we on love and it. he goes on and on to he goes he goes on for another ten thousand words about how like the conditions aren't really bad uh, and the course. journalistic accounts are like you know misplaced or whatever. He goes, Amazon is not a perfect employer. I have a litany of gripes. I'd be happy to share with you sometime. <laughs> well, why did you? you the, obviously, you they let you wrote this much. Words. He didn't have any room for that shit. It's, he clearly didn't have an editor. He goes, I don't know of anyone who doesn't have complaints about their employer. Progressives tend to clamor about exposés that portrays large multinational corporations like Walmart, Amazon, and McDonald's as nothing more than cold-hearted exploiters of the working class. This type of thing does no one any good. If Amazon is going to be castigated publicly every time one of its 650,000 employees had a bad day or just die on the job, <laughs> uh, it may well decide to automate as many positions as possible to do away with most of its human workforce. Again, he's back to like... He's threatening himself. Yeah. He's like, if you, <laughs> if you keep complaining or doing, oh, do exposés about the, oh, these horrible working conditions, guess what? You'll be out of a job. Yeah. It's like he's pointing, holding a gun to his own head, being like, I'll fucking blow my own fucking brains out if you don't stop complaining about the conditions that I work under. He's like Leo in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> where he's like, he's like if you don't get those fucking lines right, I'll blow your fucking brains out. Your brains will be all over your fucking pool tonight. Get it together. Yeah. So he goes, uh, the problem with exposés like those mentioned here is that they don't tell us how Amazon warehouses stack up against, say, warehouses operated by Home Depot, Starbucks, The New York Times, the Ford Motor Company, Microsoft, Barnes & Noble, or even Warner Media, the parent company of John Oliver's television home, HBO. Uh, okay, it goes on for another 10,000 words. Last paragraph. I am writing this on July 15th, Amazon Prime Day, one of the busiest days of the year on the Amazon calendar. I put in a six-hour shift this morning at the West Sacramento warehouse. The workday wasn't brutal. The company treated us all to a pancake breakfast in the break room during our 10-minute during our 10-minute break. Jesus Christ! Just show those pancakes in. You got 20 seconds. Oh, oh, the Lord has smiled upon us by gifting us with these buckwheat flapjacks. Perhaps the the nutrition would prevent my scrofula from acting up again. That is like a punishment. Like no, you have ten minutes to eat as many pancakes, pancakes as you can. We're gonna be watching you. Then get back to just grueling labor after eating all these pancakes. No time to digest. You know, famously easy to digest, especially at like sixty. Just like a shitload of starch and syrup. Fucking awesome. So he goes, that guy. Oh my god. They uh, just like. They are, is there like a new Amazon thing that like scans people's shit? <laughs> They're just trying to analyze worker diarrhea. The smart pipe. Yeah, I cannot yeah, wait yeah, yeah. till Jeff Bezos. A few more years of just collapsing institutions, and he just goes full Diocletian, and he only addresses people from behind a fucking saffron robe or a saffron curtain, and you can't look at him directly. He like put his hand, bejeweled hand out, <laughs> and you can kiss it, and that's the only contact he can have with a regular person. And we're all we're all like. Ooh, we're gonna get an audience with Bezos. He might, he might, uh, he might deign to allow one of my children to live with me and not be sold to the Amazon child processing facility. You know what? One day, I, when, I, my, when my magnet was placed in the punishment zone, I found the Amazon AI was actually quite merciful in its doses of electric shock to my collar. The thing I do respect about Bezos is that he's just fully like, yeah, let's do this evil. I'm just gonna be evil. Like he eats iguana. Yeah. He fucking he's like looks like Lex Luthor. He's doing HGH. Fantasizes about landing, living on Mars yeah. while the rest of us burn to death. And it's like that's actually a lot better than like Warren Buffett, who's just as rapacious of a person, but is like, I like to drink a nice Coke and <laughs> have a cheap steak. And it's like, fuck you, you're not even doing anything with this. You suck, man. Wait, or like Richard Branson, who's like making live, laugh, love posts. <laughs> 
Like, that shit sucks, well, man. Uh, Bezos eats iguana, and Branson, uh, uh, what's it? Richard Branson looks like a fucking iguana. Yeah. <laughs> like it's at least like he's not. I know, like everyone has PR teams and like armies of publicists, but I can't imagine they're like. Yeah, you should just look and behave exactly like Lex Luthor. Oh, wait, there's an addendum to the pancake uh, breakfast thing. So he says, uh, the company treated us all to a pancake breakfast in the break room during our 10-minute break. That's so of shit. Of course, you can't eat a pancake breakfast healthily in 10 minutes, but no one in charge complained about the fact that most of us spent at least 20 minutes eating. How fucking generous of them. This guy. They set, they set an insane, unrealistic limit on the break, and then he praises them for ignoring their self-imposed wow that's amazing but no check this out it gets even better yes we were all encouraged to chant prime day slogans during our morning stretch as we were all given little amazon prime 2019 lapel pins and other bits of flair to wear on our high visibility safety vests okay the flair thing is like you know famously in office space like the tgi friday stuff where it's like you're a server that's the outwardly facing right, to yeah, customers. That's These for are people customers. who are ensconced this is in, a, for each in other. a windowless vacuum, like an underground a dungeon, yeah. who have to chant slogans and wear flair to demonstrate to each other their enthusiasm for the Amazon AI overlord. It's bot. a cult. They're, they're cult conditioning them to be uh, grateful little uh, worker bees. So he goes, yeah, uh, and other bits of flair to wear on our high visibility safety vest. So what? A bit of company spirit is downright American. I don't mind being a small cog in the machinery of American commerce. It keeps the bills paid and my stomach from growling. But if John Oliver and his ilk keep harping away at how inhumanely Amazon treats its workers, Bezos might decide to completely automate his operation and people like me will be out of a job. And that will not only ruin my 4th of July, it will ruin every other day of the year as well. Dude, this is really depressing. They need to do a remake of The Prisoner. And he goes, I am a number. (laughs) (laughs) Sir? Jesus Christ, that is grim. Wow. That's a that's dark. Uh, great I mean, shit, man. That was dope. I mean, the next step is like if we keep being if we treat if we keep treating billionaires like Jeff Bezos inhumanely, they'll have no choice but to just move to Mars and leave us all to rot yeah. and die on this festering hellhole yeah. that they've created. Look what we made him do. Yes, unbelievable. I can't wait for this guy pitching his granddaughter in a volcano to appease Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be great. Yes, our managers do exercise the right of prima nocta. <laughs> And what's wrong with that? They work hard. They're entitled to a little relief from my, time to time. My wife, we're happy to have his the DNA of a superior upper manager in our family now. You know, you know who I think? I think this is actually a pseudonym. I think the guy who actually wrote this was the dude from that fucking uh, Netflix documentary about like the Mormons who had their daughter kidnapped by that lunatic. Oh yeah, and then he yeah. just like got that guy to just jack him off, yes. and give him head because he yeah. was like, "Come on, buddy." I just, need relief. Just do it. And he I was like, well, well, I thought to myself, he needs I, relief. I, I guess so. <laughs> you know, th- th- that's who actually wrote this article. Yeah. Just a total self cuck. Oh, <sighs> brutal. Wow. <laughs> we, we, love, we love to think about it. We love to it. think about it. <laughs> yeah. And we love oh, to listen to it. And we love to talk about it. Jeff Bezos to- could pay out of his own checking account like a $20 an hour wage to every Amazon employee. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> brutal. Just brutal, man. Jeff, we shouldn't criticize Jeff Bezos. He's gone through a lot. He lost Ninja. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Ninja left Twitch. He went to went to Mixer. This I will say this is a perfect example of the essential vapidity of the Quillette style contrarianism. Where it's, they, it's instinctive contrarianism, and then they pitch that as, well, that means that we're diverse and we're nimble-minded. We're not close-minded like all of you hectoring ideologues. But what that, ends up, what that ends up with you doing is seeing a lot of mainstream media criticism of this monstrous corporation deciding, well, what's the monstrous corporation side of the story? <laughs> that you are, have fucked up if this is where your, your heuristic for like, uh, understanding the world has led you. If, if you're at that point... You, there's no content to this. It's just total bubble-headedness. You're, uh, but, you're a moron. For real, though, don't force the guests at your 4th of July barbecue to watch John Yeah, don't do that. Come on. I mean, honestly, he might have just written this to troll that person, and I kind of would not. I would kind of understand yeah. if he had done that, because that is a horrible dick move. So anyway, um, enjoy your pancake breakfast, everybody. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.